Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Chickity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, yes. my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. I am Chickity Chuck. I'm godless. And uh, this we is your all. weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. Make sure that you are followers on iTunes or what the hell, subscribers on iTunes. That's what they are. They're followers on the Twitter box. Uh, if you uh, follow things on Twitter, follow me. I'm at Bearded Ape. I'm at Godless Speaks. Spotify as well. And on Twitter, or on a... See, I get them all mixed up, dude. What the hell's wrong with me? Technology is like (laughs) fucking with my brain right now. Hey, we're Um, on Stitcher. Uh, we're on Stitcher now. Yes, yes, you can grab us on Stitcher. I subscribed to us on Twitter, Stitcher yesterday. Stitcher is a is a pretty cool app, man. I actually like it. it's pretty slick, but I still use my podcast app, so it's just what I do. So iTunes, you can search Metal Slicks Podcast and find us. Uh, you, it's, that's all you got to search. Whatever you use, if you can't find it somewhere, uh, then you then you just hit up Vince. Mm-hmm. You know, Vince and Axel <laughs> will take care of it. They'll they'll get us on there, man. Whatever they don't platform. answer our emails, but they'll answer yours for <laughs> sure. So yes, make sure that you uh, hit them up if you got a platform that we. Don't don't even know about because there's probably uh, something somewhere that we have no idea what what it does man i live vince an- answered our emails because we asked him to come on the show i know that's right and they interviewed uh, darkest hour so we got uh, we got darkest hours mike slime on the show this uh, this episode which i don't i'm i'm sort of glad that i didn't have to interview him because i'm i love you <laughs> i do i love you i was on a panel with him during south by southwest he was sitting right next to me and i swear i couldn't look at him because i'm i love the darkest hour they're like one of my favorite favorite band i love them did I just, the sound of your them. panties sliding to the floor come through on the microphone it was it was a panel about extreme metal and it was the least extreme thing oh my god oh my god oh my god, oh my god. I mean, yeah it's just bad because he was awesome. He was such a nice guy. And and he's cute. And his hair, it smells like it smells like strawberries. And oh, my God. Oh, no. It is such a nice guy, man. So we got an opportunity to talk to them, talk to them about their new record and all that stuff. We'll hear a new song off of that. Plus, hear some new Haunted in this episode, yes. as well as uh, talk about what, what was it you wanted to talk about? I, want to talk, I wanted to talk about how to do your merch right. Okay. All right. Uh, didn't didn't we talk about this a little bit with Carcass when yeah, we were on the boat? Seventy thousand tons yeah. of metal. Yeah. yeah, but they made things right when they came back to town. True. Okay. So yeah. that may have just been a, a they they heard me duty free or <laughs> yeah there was like yep yeah, oh, no we heard Godless and had to had to make a change <laughs> duh I mean, come on but. Last week, we got to talk to Anzo DF, of course, of Metal Sucks, the senior editor of Metal Sucks, and he had some really interesting opinions about a little band by the name of Baby Metal, and uh, that's we're, we want more clicks, so we figured we put Baby Metal in the in the, in, this in might the be SEO. Good. We might be getting close to the end of our Baby Metal so, obsession, no? No, I don't think so. No? I think it's just beginning. I really do. Oh, Interesting. With all the chatter about baby metal, I think we need to we need to talk to an expert here, and I think I think that expert is going to have to be Vince Neilstein. I, I got to tell you guys, I listened to the podcast last week and hearing Anso talk about seeing baby metal in uh, in Montreal. I'm so jealous. I want to see them so badly, um, and um, I actually have it on good word that they're going to be coming back to the U.S. Well, that much is known. They announced it on their yeah. Facebook page. I have it on good word that they're going to be doing a New York show. 
and I am so excited. Could yeah. not be more excited. If a band uh, comes to the States, they go to New York, they go to L.A., they go to Chicago, and they go home. Well, they didn't do a New York show last time, which was the weird thing, and they were here, too. They posted a photo on their Facebook page of, of uh, themselves on the Brooklyn Bridge, um, yeah, this is how much I follow the band. I, I know what they put on the and uh, <laughs> and um, but they didn't do a show here for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe they just couldn't figure it out with the the band members or logistics or something or other. But I'm glad that they're finally coming back because I am so into that band. I'm so into the uh, <clears throat> the, the album. Everything about it, I think, is awesome. It seems like people are. In general, excited about Baby You're not the only one. No, and I mean, I think it's... Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of people are excited about it. Fans, metal fans are excited about it because it's something different. But who's really excited about it is dudes in metal bands. Uh, you know, and you see all these pictures of, you know, whatever, Slayer and Anthrax and Carcass posing with baby metal. And, you know, I think those guys are into it and, and they're excited. But everyone I've talked to about it, like I was talking to the dudes, um, uh, uh, Landfill from Iron Reagan and mm-hmm. Municipal Waste, and they shared a stage with them at Heavy Montreal. Uh, they did a show for us in, in New York last week, and I was talking to them. And the first thing, of course, I asked was, how are baby metal? And he was like, dude, they were awesome. Like, he was so into it. And I think metal dudes are just so into it because when you're in a metal band, you are around metal all the time. And you love metal, but it gets old, you know, and you just sometimes want something different. And baby metal are different. You know, they offer something that no one has really ever seen before. So, I mean, is that the key? Is it all about something that's different, or is it... I still I still have that, that psychic vampire kind of thing where they're just trying to suck the life out of these young teenagers, you know? They've, they're just worn and, and metal dudes, and they see youth, and they want to pull it in. Is it the youth thing, or do you think it's the like what baby metal's actually doing? I think it's all of the above, you know? It's, it's that it's different, it's the youth thing, it's the fact that it's these cute little girls. It's the fact that it's distinctly Japanese, you know, and, and the music and the, the appearance and the aesthetic. It's, uh, it's, it's the fact that it's fun. It's kind of like the perfect storm of everything all in one that, for, that just comes out of nowhere and, and appeals to Americans. Is there like a, a certain amount of political correctness that's keeping anybody, you know, public from saying anything bad about him nobody wants to be the old why, i don't old see why dude. there would be well I mean, nobody, nobody wants to be the old dude who says these three whatever Asian this is a poser teenager blah, 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 girls blah, blah, like yeah. yeah talking shit about them right you mean like dudes in bands or anybody for that matter i mean well, it, it seems like everybody's on their side well see the trolls online are anonymous so they can be as on pc yeah. as they want yeah. right but the the you know if you're you're tom Araya, you kind of got to get your picture taken well right? and there's not many people that are it's not there's not many times in metal where it seems like everybody is sort of on the same side as far as journalism critics you know just everybody it seems like everybody's kind of on the same side from what i've read you know they're like excited about this yeah, well, I mean, I think that speaks to the uniqueness of it. You know, it's just such a, a, a unique thing. I mean, then again, yes, there are a lot of trolls and metal sex commenters and whoever who, you know, think it's the worst thing ever, or just like making fun of me for being a pedophile. <laughs> um, but, uh, well, there is that. <laughs> I mean, there, there is that. Um, but, um, 
You know, the other thing is, like, there aren't really that many other websites that give negative opinions of something, you mm-hmm. know, when they don't like it. Like, a lot of websites just kind of will post whatever, um, you know, and, um, you know, when do you really see that many other websites saying anything super negative about any band? True. I don't know. I just don't even hear that sort of rumble. You know what I mean? It's a, a lot of time you can kind of get that sense of, uh, you know, uh, it's Megadeth, but, you know, people just are like, man, eh, whatever. The so enthusiasm in the beginning was so much that I thought that maybe all the money behind Baby Metal was like slipping Jeff Walker a hundred bucks. <laughs> Jeff Walker doesn't need a hundred bucks, believe me. <laughs> um, actually, maybe he does. But um, <laughs> he's, he's not that rich. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's like you guys were talking about, I think it was the podcast with Nisha on it, where uh, <clears throat> when you're in a band, you just know how to be professional in a cer- certain way, and uh, you're not really able to trash talk anybody else yeah. in the industry. You know, you just know to keep your mouth shut. Yeah, I hate that and, trend. You know, I mean, I'm, sh- <laughs> I'm sure there are bands out there that think it's ridiculous. But you, you know what? I mean, you're, you're kind of right. Like, everyone really is united behind this thing for now anyway just because it's such a curiosity well i think also because the doors are kind of open on it as well so it's not like uh, these three girls magically appeared in their metal and this and that and it, it's this it, we know what it is we we know how it came about and we know what's going on you know the the curtain is kind of pulled back on it and i think that goes a long way to lending some kind of legitimacy to it because they're, they're honest not, about it yeah they're honest about it yeah, and, and and you know what else? It's good. Yeah. Too. Well, I mean, besides you know, like uh, aside from that, yeah. You know, but I mean, I think that's kind of being glossed over because if it sucked, then it would suck. You know, and I mean, people would call bullshit on it right away. Um, but the fact is, the music is good, the musicianship is good, the songwriting is good, the presentation and the show is good. Um, you know, it's like it's it's people recognize it as being good it's more than just a novelty or a curiosity my favorite thing about what anzo had said about uh, about their performance was uh, was what they did on stage and how it influenced other people at the festival i love that and how important that was and what it means going forward in metal and i think that's actually the the most important thing out of it all because it means you got to step up your game if you're going to be if you're going to be doing festivals you got to step it up yeah you need some choreography um, and, and I mean, that was just like their bare bones show too. Yeah. Um, they, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have seen, they did a show at Budokan in, in, in <laughs> Tokyo. Yeah. Just the production is just insane. It's like, you know, they're coming out of risers under the stage and there's lights and like skits and it's just like an insane, it's like a theater production. Does, do we know who those musicians are? Do they, the, the backing band, are they coming from something else? Because they sound like they, they they get it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's the one, um, the one guy, I'm not sure if he's in the band. Um, he may be. Uh, he goes by the name Koba Metal, and he's kind of the writer and shepherd, I guess you could say, you know, the, the creator. Mm-hmm. Um, the only guy with but, job uh, security. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. But the guitarist, um, I, I, his name escapes me right now, uh, is actually the guitarist in Marty Friedman's solo band. Yeah, I read that in your uh, in your Rolling Stone piece, by the way. Good, good uh, very yeah, good piece, yeah. by the way. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. Um, so, um, so, you know, that's a real dude. And I mean, you watch them, you can see these guys can play, you know, they're definitely legit metal musicians. I don't know what part of me is like still 
uh, still resisting. Not resi- I'm resisting it a little bit, but I don't know why. Like they, for some reason, there's no. Well, I don't know. Here's my question: Is like I wonder if this could have worked 20 years ago when everybody was financially comfortable. When they were relatively comfortable, right? You know, you could sell albums, you could uh, make some money from touring. Now you can't. So bands look at a band like Baby Metal, which is like a pure sellout, and go, oh, man, that door is now open. Yeah, but see, I think that's already sort of open uh, when we talk about Avenged Sevenfold or we talk about but they're, they're, that door's there. You just have to open the right yeah, ones. Yeah, but the Avenged Sevenfold door sucks. <laughs> well, but I mean, you just, it's all about, I mean, recognizing what the trend is and jumping on it. And I think where where they win is, like I said, they're they're open about it. It's like, by the way, we're doing this and right. it's it's something different, but it's it's packaged, it's put together, and it's done, designed to be this way. What do you think, Vince, that the influence of Maybe Metal is going to be? Is it going to be the show or is it going to be the... The music. Well, the music or, or is it going to be the, the, the business model? Well, the thing is, is that Baby Metal can only get away with what they're doing because they're Japanese. Mm. Uh, you know, there's like in a certain... The, the, the Japanese-ness is so integral to not only the presentation, you know, visually and aesthetically, the dancing, the dress, all that, but also just the core of what it is. And, you know, you can't really replicate, like if there were a bunch of white 15-year-old girls up there on stage doing that, it just would not work. True. You know, there's just no way, even if it were slightly more Americanized music, it just would not, you know, you'd be like, what the fuck is this crap? You know, it just would not work. Um, so, you know, to the extent that they could have influence on the scene in large, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't really see it. I think it, it might just be a kind of an isolated thing. I'm sure there will be some kind of copycats or fallout effect, but, um, you know, I don't see it really becoming a large trend. Is unlocking the truth, looking at this going, oh man, somebody just stole our thunder. Let's get some dresses. <laughs> yeah, I mean they 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 probably are, um, and you know that. But that band actually is a perfect example of what I'm talking about because they're, you know, they're. Is, is it going to work? You know, I don't know if people are going to buy into it. I think yeah. people like the story. Uh, you know, it's hard not to. But um, when it comes down to it, what's the music going to be like? Is it going to work? Is it going to be a, a great live band? You know what? What is it going to be when when they're actually a real band and not just three kids from Brooklyn who who played on the on the subway? You know, they just got to hurry up. They're almost out of high school. Yeah. You know, they're like what? Are they twelve, thirteen? Uh, thirteen, fourteen? Yeah. yeah, like right in there. They're, taking, they're just getting in, getting into high school. Yeah. yeah, but it's like taking them almost yeah. two years to get their album out. It's like, come on, time, the clock is a ticking. You only get like and one with, shot. And with baby metal, I mean, you know, in five years they can change them out and put three new girls up front if they wanted to. I'm looking at the pictures. Those yeah, girls look older already. They do. I know. I've noticed it too. Like you look at some of the stuff from 2012, even, and they they do look noticeably older. They're going through the change right now. They're going to have to swap them out. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. And uh, but the, that's the thing is the that's way, okay. The way that model works is that the, I mean, it really they could do that, and it would be totally acceptable. It, it, it seems Slayer's been influential that way too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's kind of like the Guar thing where they they'll make up a story. Yeah, you know, exactly. To, for the re- like a uh, uh, 
you know, so, uh, some part of the story that's the theme of the band, you know, something about the fox goddesses coming down, you know, I don't know, I don't really know what the <laughs> hell they're singing about, but <laughs> it's something to do with foxes, and they'll figure it out and make it up, and everyone will love it. So now you were talking about, after you spent two weeks in Japan, you had sort of a, a deeper insight into kind of what this was all about. I mean, what 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 did you see as far as, you, you know, it's very Japanese, but what specifically... What were you talking about there? Well, a lot of that actually had to do with what I learned from hanging out with Marty Friedman. Mm -hmm. uh, look at me. I'm big shot. I was hanging out with Martin. No, just kidding. <laughs> I spent like six, six hours with him or something, half a day. Um, he, uh, he was talking a lot about why he moved to Japan, uh, specifically what led him there. And for the most part, it was just a fascination with Japanese culture and particularly music. Um, Japanese pop music is very complex. Like it's almost like progressive in a way, even though it sounds like pop. When you really dive into what's going on in the music, it's very, very complicated. And um, so that kind of inspired me to to look at some of the stuff he was talking about, starting with the bands that he's done work with. And um, you look at some of this stuff, and and you just you just can't believe that it's it's pop music. It's like a hundred-piece symphony with these five girls dressed in colorful spacesuits dancing around, and it's yet it's a pop song. You're like, what is this? You know, and it just kind of opened up this world to me of like, wow, there's this whole other universe of pop music, and I, I kind of understand now where a group like Baby Metal could come from and how they could be a product of the Japanese pop industry. Why does Japanese pop need that complication? I don't know that it needs to be, um, but, you know, and again, this is really kind of second, second-hand info. I'm, I'm by no means an expert, but um, the impression is that I got is that there's just more of a freedom to be able to experiment and do cool stuff. Um, which in American pop there just isn't. Yeah, it seems like American pop is a little bit more of the basics. You know, we they they've found the formula that well, I don't know. I mean, it's the formula that works here versus the formula that works there. It's right. you know two different cultures, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you could paint some kind of a thesis statement about how Japanese Japan's history in some way has you know, influence their modern pop music, but I'm way too tired to come up with an idea like that. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be some kind of a mathematical PhD somewhere that uh, analyzed all the pop music that has come there, out on a... <laughs> there is totally a PhD about how the, uh, you know, samurai and uh, kamikaze pilots and whatever informed the Japanese psyche, and that in turn has influenced the pop music industry that, well, we pull totally that quote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm interested to see what happens with baby metal and i i that, i i still want to see them live just to, i want to experience this thing just to just to check it out yeah but from the back the of the room please i don't back. nowhere near a camera <laughs> oh man i'm getting right up front i'm dead serious <laughs> like I'm, I'm getting as close as possible i i know some of the Japanese words, and oh man, I'm going to be that guy. Be <laughs> if I can, if I can stand at the front of a crowd and scream about Satan, I'm, I feel fine standing at the front of a crowd screaming about chocolate. I mean, look at me. I'm, to, oh, I'm, I'm totally yeah. into it. Yeah, I'm Dude, fine with chocolate it. Chocolate is way more metal than Satan. Indeed. <laughs> In 2014, that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. I think we're going to leave it at that right there, <laughs> Thanks, dude. Thanks, Vince. Dude, thank you, man. Uh, always good to have you on, brother. Oh, always good to be on. Thanks a lot, guys. I'll talk to you soon. We'll continue with a little more of Mr. Nielstein and Axel interviewing Mike Schlambaum from Darkest Hour on the Metal Sucks podcast. How the hell are you, dude? I'm good. We just got back home from Mayhem, so I've uh, been hungover for like four days, but I've washed all the dirt off me finally, and uh, yeah, it's nice to try to become a human again, because sort of turn into a savage out there, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's it like doing a tour like that? Um, you know, a big tour where a lot of the bands are probably in buses with crazy long drives, and you know, you guys are um, not one of the big bands on the bill what was that like for you guys well i mean we were all on buses and uh the funny thing is no matter like on the second stage out there even if you're cannibal corpse on down to you know king a10 played first like you are you know you're out in that same parking lot taking a shit in the same porta potty you know what i mean like there really isn't any different difference for anybody and it's a long 7 a.m loading and everybody's up partying already at like by nine so you just all day, you're day drinking every day in the hot sun. It's actually like kind of fun, but I, it's also grueling on the body, that's for sure. It, it's not like a normal tour, and I wouldn't say it's necessarily glamorous. <laughs> I'm sure it's not, but uh, do you feel like it was worth it for you guys to do? You know, do you feel like it's oh, yeah. I mean, good it was for a you guys blast. to get in front of Avenged Sevenfold and, and uh, you <laughs> know, bands of that nature? Well, I mean, if we... Like, from the inception of the band, we've tried to, like... I always tell the story how we had an argument with Victory Records about how we wanted to be in the rock category. Because back, like, when CDs were around, you know, you wanted you didn't want to be stuck in the old hardcore section in the corner of the record store, hidden behind everything. So, like, we've always been fighting to kind of just get out there in front of, you know, the the, the masses, the public, if you will, and this is like a perfect type of tour to do that because here you are. This is like Joe Public's first introduction to where we come from and what we're about. So it was like, it's, that's, that's kind of fun to just watch people, their faces. They're not really sure. They, they weren't really sure what was about to happen when we came out there, you know? And that's hard to do when you've been in a band for like almost 20 years. I mean, how do you, how do you keep it going? 20 years is a long time. And, you know, I mean, this is Addiction. What, ninth <laughs> album. Is that right? Eighth, eighth, yeah. Yeah, eighth. I would say it's basically a, a mix of addiction, obsession, and, you know, a little bit of perseverance. But, you know, it, it's kind of like you just become one with all the craziness that happens, and it just becomes your life, and I don't know. You just get used to it, I guess. <laughs> did, did you get to, to check out the guys in King A-10? We checked out every band, man. Of course, you guys got to ask about them, man. You know what I'm telling you? Don't believe everything you read on the internet ever. Like, I'm just saying, like, I've learned a long time ago, like, you judge people based on, you know, how you interact with them for real, you know, what they're like. And to everybody in that camp's a solid dude, man. They are all great guys. And we we had a experience with the law, which I can't talk about on, uh, oh, in public. Oh, come on, come on. But, they, but you know what? They were there with the rest of us in the thick of it, and, you know, what, what can I say? 
if you think if it's not your if it's not your type of you know jams, then <laughs> you know go check out fucking the wretched playing at the same time on the other stage. So this was like a tour wide incidence with the law. This was in Darkest Hour specifically or King Eight Ten specifically. Uh, well, there were several. There were several. <laughs> the one I can't talk about involved several people. <laughs> well, well, it. Uh, <laughs> but I can tell you about other brushes with the law. This was a. I don't know why, man. Maybe it's because Ice T was on the tour or something. But man, it was just like uh, every every other day there was some kind of incident. We were searched in Canada twice, and then once in America, all involving the border, dude. And they went and they. I had sang a song with Cop Killer on on the radio or uh, uh, in Toronto, and some of the shit showed up on social media. And when we're sitting there on the border, these guys they open up the facebook and then all of a sudden like they know that we just sang cop killer <laughs> like yesterday <laughs> they want to know what our problem with police is you know and uh it was it was kind of it was really funny chain of events man you think like one got. of those guys would 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 be an iced tea fanboy or something dude you know? i'm telling you in phoenix arizona we're i'm up there on stage and the lone star other guitar player he, he pointed this out to me there's just a mob of cops all singing the words to everybody counts on. You know, like <laughs> they were they were into it. They saw the irony. You know, they they just realized it as a protest song and not directed at every single cop. And I don't know. I, I got to tell you though, it was I don't yeah. You know, and then this stuff goes. This stuff's going on in the news. There was a lot of a lot of security. I mean, maybe it's a crazy tour and you're just you're around certain things. You know, there's always people partying. There's alcohol. There's a lot of trouble you can get into, but mainly, I'll tell you, it was it was an eventful tour in that sense. Can I just ask you after, you know, when you started doing this almost 20 years ago, were you like, someday not only am I going to be on tour with Ice-T, but I'm going to be his label mate? No, I mean, that was, that was out of left field, but it makes sense why Ash and the boys would sign them. I mean, like, the new record that our friend Will Putney had a lot to do with, he's a New Jerseyan as well, he... he Man, he helped him make the the best body count album, and I think it was a good move for Sumerian in general because people like body count. Unfortunately, the first two songs, when people come watch them, they stick up their cell phones because everybody get a video of it. But after they get over that and they participate, you know, it's like it's awesome. It's not as metal as some stuff out there. To me, it's a little bit more hardcore, a little more punk. But you know, they'll say their body count, they're all of it. And I'm I'm down with it, you know. I think when I was a kid, uh, the first experience I had with Body Count was on MTV. That the There Goes the Neighborhood video came on. Ricky Rackman did this whole thing about how, you know, he was the host about how this was some crazy new shit, you know. And I I, I liked it. I thought it was cool. But I also I lived in Washington D.C. I had a lot of uh, ex- exposure to other types of heavy metal that wasn't just you know Pantera or. Or, or at the time, maybe more like Slayer, Metallica, Anthrax. So I, I was open-minded in general, and I I definitely didn't think I would end up on tour with with Body Count, but but label mates, yeah, that that was definitely out of left field. <laughs> How did you guys wind up on Sumerian? Because this is your first album with them. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, uh, <laughs> Mr. Ash Avelson, the owner of uh, Sumerian Records, was an East Coaster for a while, and. As he grew up over here, he, he was immersed in the, I guess, I would say late 90s at that point, late 90s metal hardcore scene. 
And Darkest Hour, we played here all the time. You couldn't miss us if you were around at the time. And so Ash became a fan then. We became friends. Uh, he was always around. He was always, you know, getting into shit, booking shit, trying to do his business thing. And uh, we took his band Reflux on tour to Europe, which was amazing because you had Kevin Brewer, you had Tosin Abasi, the drummer, his, his, I can't remember his name now, but I know that he's moved. He's not really rocking anymore. And, and Ash, but they were all really fucking talented and they would all practice all day, even though you were in like Europe and you had to, like, you could go run around anywhere, which we would do. Uh, Tosin would be back there with a laptop just shredding. Um, and we became friends. And then it just later on, he's got his little empire. We've, we've served our decade sentence on victory records. <laughs> uh, we put out an album on E1, which was cool. It gave us like, that was the first time anybody in a lot of places took us seriously. And then it was sort of like we, we wanted to, you know, we wanted to take it somewhere different. And I know that might sound weird to people, but I'm 37 and I've been doing this creatively since I was 15. And so to stretch it was something we really wanted to do. And we needed to find somebody who was like, had enough guts to say, okay, I'll try to ban on their eighth album and put it out and let them do some shit that like might, you know, a couple of people on the internet might say don't even, doesn't even sound like the band, you know? And who, who could be this guy? Well, the one person that believes in this band, I can tell you as much as anyone out there, Mr. Ash Avelson. And so he seemed like the right candidate. And he was down, he was down for pushing it, you know, as far as it would go, which, which we all liked. And that clicked. And, and then there wasn't even like, there wasn't some kind of like shopping. There wasn't kind of like some email war going on with a bunch of people. It was just like, all right, dude, let's make the fucking craziest album and let's take our time doing it. And he was down with both. And did he hook you up with Taylor Larson or did that happen like independently? <laughs> that actually happened organically. And in, in it's, dude, it's, a, it's kind of a crazy scenario. So after... We, we kind of st- stopped touring. We, uh, we were about to go on tour with Machine Head. Ryan and the band sort of split ways at that moment, and we didn't have anywhere to go, you know, what we were going to do. And my friends, all of me, my friend Brian McTernan, my friend Paul Levitt, they're both producers extraordinaire. You know, they all have studios in ba- Baltimore, and I kick it. I'm a little studio rat. I go up there and hang out with these dudes. And they kept saying, you know, you, you know, and Brian has done three of our albums. He did Mark of the Jude Associated <clears throat> and The Eternal Return and mixed, and him and Paul helped mix The Human Romance. They were just like, man, you need someone young, someone with guts who's going to yell at you guys and be like, nah, that fucking, that part, that part doesn't, isn't, you know, why don't we try this? Somebody fresh. And the thing is, you need youth to have that because we are some opinionated, crazy <laughs> fucking dude. So you need a kid to go up against, to go up that kind of nuts, though. You know, any adult, like Mr. Devin Townsend, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, trust me, love him. He, he did two albums for us. I mean, that's how crazy he is. He made it two. <laughs> and, and he's a, a creative genius, but I don't think he would have had... The, he would definitely not have had the passion to kind of go up against the dudes and force them to, you know, rethink, okay, maybe this part doesn't need double bass. You know what I mean? 
And at the same time, we didn't have anywhere to go. And Taylor has a studio, like, literally nine miles from where I live. So went up there, started hanging out. We practiced for the Machine Head tour there. And he was saying at the time, like, man, you really... Tim Java, who's an amazing drummer, was playing in the band. But Tim was in New York, and the band was going through a lot of changes. And Tim is my, my ultra boy. So I didn't want to suck him into the fucking madness of the band, you know? So he was just kind of more, all right, I'm going to do this tour by tour. And Taylor kept saying, you need to check out my friend Travis Orban. He's a sick drummer. He's all up on YouTube. He's got more followers than you do. <clears throat> like, you know, check him out. So, of course, I checked out Travis and thought, oh, that guy plays super fucking weird. <laughs> like, his drum set's all fucked up. No way. And we went on tour, and we came back, and we had to start writing the album. So we started writing with Taylor, and you know, all of a sudden, he started walking. Or no, we started writing at the same spot as Taylor, and he would walk in and go, yo, that part's awesome, or fuck, why don't you do, you know, and it just became a thing. We just started doing it. It was fucking weird. And, what, and we went up to Will Putney, who worked on the Body Count album for a little bit, but, you know, I think he's in, what is it, Hoboken? It's not Hoboken. He's right outside of New York, and it wasn't like, we, we were not going to live there for a month, and Will's a great dude and could have done, done an awesome job, but we just had to bring it back to Maryland because this took us like, well, I don't even know, two and a half years. Anyway, Taylor introduced us to, to Orban. Orban introduced us to Taylor, and it's kind of a crazy mixed-up web. So I don't know. <laughs> That's the long story of it. Was there any, any ever any moment where um, old school and new school kind of butted heads against one another? You know, where, Every moment. Where, like, Taylor wanted you to do some new way of, I don't know, you know, computer something or other, and you're like, no, fuck you. No, we're over that. Come on. If you go listen to the li- – don't listen to Deliver Us. Go listen – so I'm doing ruined. That is Devin Townsend experimenting in the Pro Tools age before Taylor came along, you know? So what you have is now music is just changed completely now from digital recording. So it's more, it wasn't so much like the recording process of, cause I trusted Taylor from the beginning. I mean, all of his albums of the scene core bands he's done and, and periphery, like they sound great. You know, it was more, we were, we were coming up with weird shit. And it was someone who could understand, like, oh, this part's cool because the drum's playing in 7-8, but the guitars are just playing in 4-4, and we've never done anything like that. Like, somebody who got that that was cool, not someone who's just going to come in. All right, so which one is the chorus? Where's the chorus? Okay, sweet. You know, that's what older producer guys do. They find the chorus first and work around it. Younger guys think of the stuff as, like, riffs and lines, you know? That's awesome that uh, that you were able to to work with a young guy to bring some some fresh blood into it. Um, you know. What yeah, I, I mean, heard? and also he brought some Americanism into it too. You know, Darkest Hour was really Swedish sounding for a long time, and then now it's now it's like uh, this album is like got almost as much like as much Pantera squeezed in there. But but you know, Taylor also likes Gojira. You know, they're not American, but they are a new school. And kind of brought us into that way of thinking, like, oh, yeah, you know, we can have parts like that. You know, it doesn't have to just be thrashing the whole time. And maybe to some fans it does, but, dude, you've got, like, enough albums of that shit for a minute, you know? (laughs) 
Well, it's um, definitely a, a big, uh, you know, there are some new things on it. You know, you kind of alluded to that before with the Internet comments thing, but, you know, you guys are doing a lot more clean singing. Not that you've never done any before, but there certainly seems to be more of it. And um, there's the, the one kind of ballad song, uh, apologies, I forget the name right now. And there's Oh, yeah, by the Starlight, yeah. Uh, using a seven-string even. Oh, you know, we're not. That's what's awesome about the seven string. Okay, if you ever go listen, like nobody's listened to this album because it's Van Hagar, but if you go listen <laughs> to 5150, <laughs> you listen to the first song. It's called Good Enough. It's like sick. Like back then, Eddie took the low string of like a bass and put it on top string of a guitar and made it an octave of the A. Ah. So it's AA. And it kind of gives this kind of a seven string effect, but not really because the chords it, the chords shape a little different so later on like I, I was always trying to learn that song because I love the way in the later Van Halen albums that he used the whammy bar because we're all about the whammy bar and so then I'm fucking around with this guitar in that tuning because I'm trying to learn the song and I wrote I actually that song Wasteland that's in the weird tuning uh, was was written originally like a weird version was written with Tim Java when we were recording this Dead to Fall record because I, I was like, dude, I was fucking trying to learn this Van Halen song, and, and then it just stayed tucked away, and later on, we dug it up, but we still play it with the weird tuning, because we're not used to seven strings, man. I got an awesome one from ESP, but I just fucking can't get used to it. It's just too weird for me. Dude, you gotta catch up. They're getting up to nine strings these days. I don't know, man. You know, <laughs> I'm not gonna win the string race. Tosin's got everybody beat. That, that's true. You're not gonna out-Tosin Tosin. But yeah, we have some, you know, the seven, the, also another thing we've been doing is we, we use like the axe effects to pitch shift guitars, like when we play live. So we can play in B, you know, or even like A sharp, even lower G now, well, the way some of these newer bands do. I know, uh, the dudes in the mirror use the pitch shifting a lot to even in the middle of songs. So yeah, with the technology, shit's just all over the place now. No shit, that's awesome. So the the entire band actually basically digitally tunes down. All right, if this is not going to get too many people all fucking fired up. Dude, it's definitely going to get people yeah, what fired. Yeah, of course it but, is. But dude, dude the, listen, Mastodon has a fucking Mastodon has a fucking pedal. They're all Bill Keller and Bron, you know, or Bill Keller and uh, Brent are on there fucking, you know, pimping the fucking pedal about how you can change the tuning. So like, when you want to play in G live and you want to make it sound clear and tight and cut through you can't have these strings i don't care what gauge you use flopping around so yeah there's no latency we use a pitch shifter and just pitch it down from c and man go check a youtube video of the band in the past two years because it sounds a lot more in tune I think that, I mean, I don't have a problem with it personally. I think it's cool, you know. I mean, it's like the minute you put a mic in front of an amp, you know, you're manipulating the sound already. So, you know, to me, it's I mean, stuff is not a big deal. But, you know, I know that like, people are going to be angry, certainly. Dude, you could. Fuck yeah, we're still using an amp. We're still micing <laughs> an amp. Like, fucking most people aren't even doing that. We have, we, we still have tubes burning while we play, you know. And uh, the other thing is, we still have to play the fucking song. You know what I mean? It's not a backtrack. It's not like, like even though it's pitch shifted down, you can still bend it out of tune. So there's plenty of 
Darkest Hour tries to keep it about as real as possible as you can in 2014, you know. You don't but just, still, uh, it, like, put it, a cardboard cutout of Lone Star out there and just pipe his parts through? <laughs> Dude, that would be actually, that would be actually pretty sick because then we wouldn't have to listen to him talk about shit and fart jokes all the time, but I don't know, we sort of enjoy him, so. He's a nice fella. You should just keep in mind that, like, you could go on the internet and say, like, good morning, how's everybody doing? And people would freak out and send hateful responses. Of course. Well, so. you know, it is what it is, but it is the ultimate communication tool, so must yeah. be. So was there any anxiety on you guys' part about doing something so <laughs> different or, like, and, like, how are the fans going to react? He's like, anxiety? Never. Not from a Jew. <laughs> Not at all. Well, we're heavily medicated, so. <laughs> yeah. Dude, absolutely. But, I mean, like, at some point, the only thing that people respect is people, you know, trying to, trying to kind of do, to be them, you know, to do you, so to speak. So, you know, you kind of have to work through that anxiety. But, yeah, I mean, we love the thing. I love the old albums. I love the catalog. I love melodic thrash metal. I fucking committed half my life to it. But, you know, I want to cruise somewhere else as an artist at the same time, and I'm not afraid for some dipshit to have something to say about it, you know? Because I think the riffs speak for themselves. The music is pretty dope. Well, it seems to be doing well you know i mean you had a really good first mm-hmm. week sales you know for for what that's worth and uh certainly worth something and you know it seems like uh the reaction the reaction i've seen has been pretty good for the most part yeah and we're we're taking the we're taking the shit to the stage we're coming back we're going to be back in the u.s in the fall and um i don't know if i can say the tour or not but do something about it we're going to come back and do some shows with the, on earth it's going to be sick and then we're going to go to Europe with Machine Head and do about six weeks there, just kind of run around that whole continent and remind everybody we're around and here's a new album. And then we'll be back in America beginning of next year, you know? How is the new stuff going over live? Good. I'm, honestly, this is weird. <clears throat> I want to... <clears throat> I, I really feel like we could play a whole set of just new songs. Uh-huh. We're not going to do that to everybody. Because I know there's some people that pay the ticket price and want to see fucking Doomsayer or they want to go see Demons or they want to see Convalescence or what, whatever. So, but, but the energy is there. You, those albums have been around for a long time. The band has toured a lot. A lot of people have seen the band play more than a few sets of the same set. And so there's just some excitement to see the band play something they, they, they feel. And also, you can't deny that my boy Travis Orban is sick as fuck on drums and seeing the songs he he was a part of and seeing him execute them is pretty fucking cool. I mean, even for me, some of the shit's crazy that he can do. People are going to just have to find out for themselves and come see, see the new songs live. Yeah, I'm stoked to hear the new stuff live, man. Dude, it would definitely be a bold move to come out and just say, like, fuck everyone, we're playing the entire new so- new album live. Yeah, but I don't think fuck everyone, like, <laughs> I'm like, cool, like, come to the show if you enjoy that shit, you know what I mean? I want you to be stoked, you know? So, uh, we want to play what people want to hear, but at the same time, it's a, it's a balance of everything. So, we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's, I definitely don't feel like fuck anyone who wants to get in the mosh pit and jams. If they want to hear one of the old songs, we'll play them. Cause, cause like I said, we love the entire catalog. It's just, this is the era we're in right now. So 
make yeah. sense that we would pimp it. And you can never please everyone all the time. Oh boy, trust me, not even in your band. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thanks for taking the time, dude. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah man. Well, I will talk up. to you guys anytime. today.
got a press release about that new album exit wounds from uh from the haunted and they're like oh you want to interview marco i was like we already interviewed marco didn't we yeah i got a chance to tell you yeah it's pretty cool man yeah it was interesting like he you know he was talking again i mean you talked to us about how he's like not quit his day job yeah and none of the guys have really quit their day job they're in six bands each yeah uh, and and then th- that somehow somebody else asks the same question and it's like news <laughs> nobody pays attention to us hey man it's okay sooner or later God. No, nothing it's, uh, it's all good you know we just keep doing keep, i mean we got a social security number and everything on the air the, nobody talks about episode that. 500 then next thing you know boom yeah explosions well we got to do a, we uh more incendiary headlines is what we got to do you yeah, know? right takes take shit out of context different <laughs> words from different places put it all together and then you figure out where it came from right. it's like scrabble yeah. right you just assemble it all i don't know the new album is is, is really badass so if you get a chance i would suggest checking out the haunted now, in this last segment, you wanted to talk about, you wanted to rehash something that we've already talked about before. No, not no, exactly. No. I wanted you, you to get specific. You have a different take on I this. wanted to get specific because, okay. because all right, so uh, uh, a few nights ago, we were at uh, the Scale the Summit with- uh, Glass Cloud Gla- and uh, Monuments. And, monuments. Yeah. Dude, dude, hear me now and believe me later. Monuments. I'm a, uh, I'm in. Don't, oh, don't get me wrong. He's got the man. Zach De La Rocha look, but he yes. also sounds like Roddy from uh, Protest the Heroes. So uh-huh. it's yeah, it's, it's pretty they, interesting. They, they they've got the right front man. I watched like an old like YouTube video yeah. uh, with like the old singer mm-hmm. and like okay, don't whatever you guys do, don't pull a tesseract on me. This is your dude. The guy you got now is the dude. He's been no. He was he was badass. He's really front man was. charisma for days, mm-hmm. right? But you know where he screwed up is as soon as the show was over, he did not go 
to the merch booth. Yeah, he did. He was standing right there. No, he wasn't there. They were all. They were all they, standing right there. I, eventually, eventually, they got there. The rest of the guys had to pack up their crap. Yeah, he had to go see if he could score a check, and then he made his way to the merch. Well, table. sometimes that's important. It's the like it was the next to last day of the tour. So I, no. I get it. You got to go, but you got to go. You got to go right to the merch. You're the guy who all, you're 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 unloading from the stage is setting the microphone down. <laughs> that's how. That's all you got to do. That's not all. What else is he gonna do? You've got. Um, is he gonna do his la la las? I mean, get his gotta, voice to like you know um, something like that. Cool know, down. Maybe uh, don't let the don't help the drummer with his cymbals. Well, um, there's this. Don't help the guitarist uh, with his amp. Put the mic down. You're no, the, I guess you know it's what? just a mic. You're the guy. You're, you're the guy <laughs> that everybody wants to talk to. So you want to talk to them yeah. where you want them to talk to you, right which there. is right next to you. you got to pull a Tito Ortiz. I remember going to a U, UFC, like UFC like 34 or something like that. And the dude standing in the lobby and he would, people would go up to him to shake his hand. He would grab their hand. He'd take the picture and he would hold. I mean, granted, the guy's 200 and five pounds of sheer muscle and wrestling you know yeah. but he'd hold that hand until you handed him a twenty dollar bill and you bought one of his stupid shirts well come on what are you gonna do and, and you you're know gonna that, hand the guy money yeah let, let me go Hell please yeah. let Hell me yeah. go but you know what the singer of monuments is gonna hold your hand you're gonna feel guilty if you don't hand him money yeah you but a gotta gent, do it a gent band is not intimidating as a usc fighter i, I get that but you still, mm. enough people have been raised Catholic that they feel guilt if they don't <laughs> hand the guy money. Right. And that's what I'm saying. You need, because, you know, he's he's the one you want to talk to. You're going to pay to talk to him. I mean, you know, butcher babies, they charge just to go meet them mm. and they do it behind a wall. Mm. You know what? Right, wrong, whatever. They're making money. Yeah. And you know what? The dude from the monuments might as well be a hot chick. Might <laughs> as well. Might as well. He's got charisma for days. Okay, so what does that have to do with merch, though? What it has? To, well, because you do I mean, it by other, the merch. other than like just selling merch, you you gotta sell your merch. Yeah, you gotta, the, the, the dudes had like a blowout of the tire or something like that on their van. They need the money. Everybody needs the money. Bucks, you know. Well, my thing was is that they actually had cool looking merch. I mean, you bitched about oh, why does only everybody have it, black and white t shirts? Yes, and, like, and me personally, I was wearing a bright yellow Kyliza shirt. Uh-huh. And it's a cool I ass shirt. stuck out like a sore fucking thumb. I mean, that's it, awesome. It, it was like, what the? Uh, I, I feel weird and fat when I'm wearing stuff I, like that. I'm just saying, you got to so, have one option. It's got to be magenta or sky uh, blue. I think no, that trend is over. The the, the it's there not was, about a trend. It's no, about, no, no, no. I'm saying that the, there was a trend in merch where you had like a, and it's still there with uh, more uh, scene bands. Uh, that have blue shirts and sk- pink and rainbows and shit, you know, like that. I want that, a pink shirt. That dude, you already got a pink carcass shirt, don't you? No, no? they don't have a pink carcass. Shirt. Oh, I thought you bought that one, the one girl shirt that they had that was the pink. No, you didn't get that. Nah, I got the baseball jersey. Okay, but still, I I think that those that that sort of trend is a, is kind of over a little bit, unless it's going to be like multicolor print on black kind of thing, like what Black Dahlia Murder does. I guess what I'm saying is that you just it, it, it doesn't have to be or not be a trend to have that as an option. People could not buy it, but I'll bet you you're going to sell at least one or two or three yeah. of them. You might as well have yeah. it there. Because the only reason that I'm not buying more shirts okay. is because there's not something with a little Actually, bit of color. The in it. only reason that you didn't buy shirts, and this is my biggest complaint, is that they didn't take credit cards. Right. And that is probably the one thing that I think every band needs to get is to get a goddamn square and take credit cards at your fucking merch table. I'd love you, 
but I don't carry cash anymore. No. I just don't carry cash. It's 2014. I should be able to telepathically send you bitcoins at this point. Whatever it takes, man. Yeah. That's that to me is the is the stopgap more than anything else. Whether it's the lead singer, his girlfriend, the guy who's driving the bus, whatever, who's ever sitting behind the merch table, I can give a shit. Take my fucking credit card so I can buy your shit. That's right. Because I would have bought the album and I would have bought a t-shirt and I didn't because I didn't have cash. I feel bad. They were selling it for 15 bucks for the CD. I would have paid 15 bucks for the CD. You know that like at least eight bucks of that is going right into their pocket. Yeah. Instead, I go to Amazon.com and I buy the MP3 version yep. for $8 total. How much of that is getting to the band? Probably almost none of it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the, that to me is like the one of the biggest steps that every band needs to sort of take is is think about... Who is buying your merch and how we actually buy things nowadays? Yep. You know, if there's a way that even if you could take PayPal at your at, at your at your you know, if you've got an iPad with PayPal on it and you can get in your account that way, whatever whatever it takes, I would suggest that you do it. I get it. They're a band from the UK. You know, you come over. It's tough to get the square and all that sort no, of thing. No, and it's but, the square is not cheap. Like like yeah. that stuff. You got to pay for that, and you're also losing a little bit of money because you got to pay for per transaction and those things. But it work makes, it out with one of the other bands or something. You know, it, it may, yeah, exactly. It's like whether it's a group tour thing where you can take credit cards right. for everybody or something. It's a. It's just. It's very important. Man. The, I have bought more merch when I've been able to go fuck it, put it on the card. Yeah, you know, the, than any other time. Exactly. You know, I, I, for, I, I guess it was like some death clock show that I went to. I was like, well, that poster that'd be nice, but it's thirty bucks. Oh, you take cards. Well, I'll take that T-shirt, that T-shirt. I'll take yeah. that poster and this over there. Okay, cool. I bought like five things, and I wasn't going to buy shit. Yeah. But now they take credit cards, and and it's totally an option now. And I think that was probably that's probably the biggest mistake I, I see bands making nowadays is not being able to do that. Even if you got to go old school and get one of those like old junk, <laughs> no, and you don't run that, card. I won't do that. Actually. But and you don't run that card until you get home from tour or something like that. You know, yeah, you might miss out because a couple cards get now. It's probably away away. well it's probably less what i'm I'm thinking in my head i'm like i wouldn't do that you get an impression of the card and i think about it in my head it's probably worse doing your slide thing and you probably get all the information off that but either way you know i think it's it's you got to come up with something man. yeah yeah there's just i didn't i'm not gonna pay five dollars to pull 40 bucks out of my atm and to say this this is not just like a slight on monuments or anything no 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 this happens across the board i see it all the time no let me be clear monuments are the future of metal (laughs) (laughs) wow okay that's a bold statement right there. i'm just saying you need i i I get it you can't afford a road manager to take care of this crap but these are basics you need to figure out how to do it now can i go back real quick to the variety thing because you brought up something with death clock death clock had all sorts of shit yeah and and you know what's awesome about that is like nowadays there are no record stores right it's tough to find a record store we've got a great one in austin though by the way just so you know right if you come to actually we've got a a great we've got a great two or three actually almost every town might have one might have one but for the most part now now check out their metal section how often how often is that metal section going to be good right very true it's going to suck so feel free Feel free no. to have other stuff at your merch booth that doesn't have your name on it. Because if it's something awesome and you're able to get a bunch of net, I might buy it. Like what? I don't know. I don't even care if you've got like a fireman, 2014 fireman, sexy fireman calendar or something like that. I'm just saying, feel free to have like comic books and and books and 
all sorts of crap that I can't find. What the fuck are else? these people doing? I mean, they're, impulse they're the, buy, man. Impulse yeah, but buy. dude, that's not. They're, they're not a fucking reseller. I mean, the, the, bring your eBay store with you on tour so Hell you yeah. can fucking sell shit. That's, well, dude, drumheads, autograph your drumheads, no, sell the drumheads. No, that, that's a whole other thing. Like that, I I think I brought that up on the show before, where it's like you, your broken equipment. Save your broken equipment yeah. and fucking autograph it and sell it. Stop throwing your sticks at the stage uh, off the stage for free. Yeah. And start Sign, them, and sign them and sell them. Yeah. Now, that was one of the most brilliant things my buddy ever told me was that, that what he, what they used to do where they go to old they go to rehearsal spaces, they buy all the busted drum heads, you know, for quarter dollar or whatever, you know, just or pick them out of the trash, whatever it was. So they grab all the busted drum heads and they take them back and sign them and sell them on the fucking table for fifty bucks a pop or whatever, and would get it because it's cool. And people would think that it was theirs, so they're like, oh my god, that's so awesome, and it was. It's yeah, it's something different. I was like, that's a brilliant you got you steely eyed missile man. I tell you what, <laughs> these guys are badass, dude. It's like son of a bitch. Yeah, see that, that that brings up the next thing is it's not just about having a t shirt for sale for fifteen bucks that you paid twelve bucks to make. Mm-hmm. You're making three dollars on that. That's yeah. all that matters is that three bucks, right? But if you can get something like a drum head that you're gonna sell for thirty five, forty bucks and you paid fifty cents for it. Yeah. You're putting 35, 40 bucks in your pocket. Well, and you can also say, okay, if you're getting that kind of margin on something like that, you can go, well, I'll throw in a CD for free. Or Maybe. I'll give you a drum head and a CD for 40 bucks instead right. of 30. Right. You know, like you can take five bucks off something else to sell to motivate it because everybody wants a bargain so if i'm looking at a t-shirt for 20 a cd for 15 if i buy them together i can get them for 30 holy shit that's a fucking deal but yeah. really it's not that great of a deal but it's still a pretty good deal you know what i'm saying so yep. people love a deal and i think that sort of stuff works great at the merch table yeah, too. I, I i people love a deal but also people love options no and, and options. Well, it's the it's the cable bundling. You want to you want to yeah. bundle your uh, you want to bundle your sticker and your shirt and your CD together, right? Or would you like it all a cart? Or I would just want the T-shirt. Or would you like it? You know, I think those options are always good. And that can get messed up when the venue's taking their cut and they want you know a certain percentage and they're going to count oh, they everything want at just the beginning t-shirts the and they, of the want, night. they want the cd say they want so the there's exceptions yeah, yeah, yeah. you know but i don't think most metal bands are playing most of those types of bullshit venues that do that right there's, most of the yeah. time yeah most of the time you know you're 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 you're, you're able to keep what you keep and that's kick ass you got to you got to make money at your merch and you got to make a profit with your merch not just selling shirts for the sake of selling shirts i think i was what was again? I've been contemplating a post that I need in my head of of things that unsigned bands need to do, mm-hmm. and uh, this would be one of those things on or unsigned or signed for that matter. Yep. They need to do this is one of those things I think is is really important because merch just goes a long way. You know, buddy, a friend, a local bands, a couple of local band friends of mine, they went on uh, a tour, quote unquote, uh, across the Southwest just to play some gigs, get a little touring under their feet, and kind of thing. And the way they survived the entire time was selling merch. Yep. You know, oh, absolutely! It, uh, it, it kept the gas in it, and and these guys are these are unsigned, you know, kind of unknown bands from Austin playing in California, but people are buying shirts because they had really cool looking merch. It wasn't very expensive, and you know, it puts gas in the tank. Yeah, it's just so important. It, it really if, is if on every level. It's if so you're important. signing a record deal and you're all super excited, try to get as good a price, wholesale price, on your own crap as yeah. you can. Because that is going to make a huge difference once you make uh, you hit the road. And retain the rights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, possible. Yeah. Oh, here's another thing. 
I, I don't want to buy a CD. I'll be honest. I don't. I do. Want, I, I know do. you do. So that's cool. But I want a download, man. Well, and give n- me a card n- or a USB stick or whatever. But I want the option See, because the truth of the matter is, with monuments, I wanted the money to go okay, to them. So here, you you you're dumb, and and I, this is what you need to fix because you could have bought the vinyl and had the download card with the vinyl. I don't want the vinyl. I don't give a shit if you want it. You need it no. because that's you know that's that's how we that's how we as audiophiles in this day and age are going to move forward is by moving backwards. Okay, so sh- no, bundle it with the shirt. Bundle with the shirt. I don't want the vinyl. You get the vinyl. No, I don't d- want d- it. Fucking deal with it. You no, the no, it's not about dealing you with get it. The speckled print, oh. lovely. Uh, do, 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 deal with it. Vinyl's in. No, boom. Vinyl's in. Vinyl's a waste of vinyl's space. Vinyl's in. I love vinyl. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Yeah, IKEA boy. makes the best shelves for vinyl ever in the history of ever. I don't want the shelves, dude. I've got the shelf, and it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> Looks great. I I'm just, swear. I'm just it's saying, awesome. it's hard enough to get people to give you money. Make it as easy as you possibly can. Totally. Make Agreed. it so that I have to give you money because I feel guilty if I don't. Make it <laughs> Make it so that I can hand you my credit card. Make it so that... Uh, 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 you, there's a variety of shit for me to choose from, and make it so that it's in at least one color available. And I want, coupons. Oh. Make coupons no, for. I don't know about the coupon, <laughs> right, we gotta wrap this thing up, man. Uh, let's see. Next week on the podcast, we have no idea what the hell we're gonna do, and that's that's the way we like it because you never know what's gonna pop up in the middle of the week. But we know because we're smart like that and things <laughs> follow us on twitter uh i am at bearded ape i'm at godless speaks and make sure you subscribe to us on itunes so that you can get it right to your device every uh every week on mondays when we post this sucker at metal this has been another episode of the metal sucks podcast